Welcome to the TTPOA podcast, a podcast for SWAT officers, military, and all first responders. We'll be talking training, tactics, and leadership with the best subject matter experts around. Here are your hosts, Derek and Brandon. Well, hey guys, welcome back to another uh, episode of Derek and Brandon trying to do this podcast and figuring it out as we go. So uh, we have two special guests today. I'm really excited about because we're going to be talking about uh, putting hands on people, and that's always a fun topic and uh, can go a lot of different ways. So today we have with us uh, Cliff Byerly from uh, Hill Country Combatives. How are you doing, Cliff? I'm doing outstanding. Thank you. Hey, man, welcome up to the uh, North Texas area from the San Antonio area. Yeah, San Antonio. All right, cool. And then our other guest today is Big Daddy Ron. <laughs> uh, we just gave him that nickname today. First time I met him, so uh, he just looks like Big Daddy Ron to me, man. So Appreciate that. How you doing, Big Daddy? Doing great, thanks. Good, good. Why don't you tell him where we're coming from, the TTPA studio. Yeah, so this is our new studio. <laughs> that you forgot to pay the AC bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't even have AC to pay. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> that's, how, that's how professional we yeah. are here at the TTPOA. It's just barely air conditioned. <laughs> barely. It's just barely, man. We got a fan blowing behind us so I can barely feel. So. You're really sweating. Though. I know, I know. Cliff, thanks, man. Thanks for joining us on this. And uh, I'm not calling you Big Daddy Ron. I'll just call you Ron. How about that? You've called me worse. I have called you worse. <laughs> I probably will call you worse after this. Yeah. Mm. Cliff, uh, for the people that don't know who you are, man, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Give us a little bit of your background and uh, what gives you the authority to talk about putting hands on people? Oh, sure. Uh, gosh, I did uh, 23 years in the Marine Corps, 12 active, 11 reserves, all as a reconnaissance Marine. Uh, then I left active duty and uh, joined LAPD, where I did my law enforcement career, working in uh, lovely South Central Los Angeles, pretty much for all of it. And... Uh, Hands on people. I don't know if I'm a consider myself an expert, but I, I have put hands on a lot of people. But uh, jujitsu black belt, catch wrestling coach, uh, Muay Thai. So I train, train a lot. So that's kind of that's kind of my gig. Uh, just I like I like playing punch face when I get up in the morning, and uh, then practicing murder after that. So it's a good time every day. Yeah. All right, yeah. Big Daddy Ron. Yeah, Big Daddy. Well, I did 15 years in a large city, large department in Tennessee, decided that uh, life would be better in Texas. So I moved out here, and uh, for the past six years, I've been employed with the department in North Texas. Uh, been teaching detec- uh, defensive tactics there for a few years. I uh, got a Krav Maga background, Jiu-Jitsu background, um, and I, I don't mind getting uh getting handsy with people that's so weird that you yeah. say getting handsy with people i know in a good way though right oh yeah okay yeah. <laughs> okay so just for the people that um don't know what did you do at your department in tennessee i did a little bit of everything i did patrol um narcotics a few years uh major crimes investigator uh organized crime investigator a little bit of this a little bit of that were you ever on the uh on the tv show the first 48 <laughs> I oh. know uh, I managed to get out of that. They edited my my country oh, country ass out. Man, uh, too bad. Apparently, I cussed too, too much. Too but uh, you know, you see the back of my head here and there. All right. Well, feel free to cuss on here. We pay for it. So. Yeah, we pay extra for cussing. <laughs> so if you guys that. need to drop an oh, f bomb every now and then, yeah. you guys can drop an f bomb. Appreciate that. Get it, get it going here. All right, guys. Well, hey, man, we're here to talk about putting hands on people, talking about DT defensive tactics and the use of DT in law enforcement. 
Yeah. Right. I'm sure you guys have some opinions on that. It's pretty much non-existent. What? What do you mean? Yeah. It's like, well, have you not watched the news lately? It's everywhere. Yes. Yes. I know it's, it's, it's everywhere in a bad way, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's like, I, I have a couple contracts down by San Antonio area and, uh, training the entire patrol staff for a certain department. There's guys there that comes through and, uh, you know, eight years in the field and it's been eight years since they have any hands on training. So people are pretty good at finding ways to get out of getting on the mat. You travel around and do this, right? Oh, so quite extensively. What do you see as the biggest problem with most DD, DT uh, programs when well, you go to these different agencies? Most of it is uh, one of the first things I see that gets cut out of training programs is DT, and they use the excuse as uh, they can't afford the injuries on duty. Yeah. So that's that's the biggest thing is IOD pay. I mean, you're shaking your head. Yeah, we hear that all the time. Yeah, we do, right? Yeah. So how do you how do you defend that? Like, how do you like rebuttal? If you're not getting reps, you're not going to be ready to uh, have the confidence to handle what you need to handle when you're faced with some type of uh, force situation on the street. Because how, how many times do officers use force on the street and then they're filling out paperwork because they're injured and then they're off and then they're having to go to surgery because a broken hand, a messed up shoulder. More than you'd like. Yeah, exactly. A lot more. And I would say probably most of that has to do with if I had better training, if I knew other techniques, I wouldn't have to do this to get myself hurt. Would y'all agree with that? Oh, definitely. It's like, you know, my, my rebuttal though, it's like, okay, an IOD injury, say it costs $10,000 to get somebody six weeks out with a broken hand. But how much did it just pay George Floyd's family? Right. 24 million. Yes. You know, so an IOD injury is cheaper than most lawsuits out there. Yeah. And, you know, it's like I tell officers, too, it's like a year worth of jujitsu is far cheaper than an attorney's fee when you become a YouTube sensation. Absolutely. So. I agree 100% on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So first time teaching at TTPOA was at our conference, correct? Yes, sir. And then tomorrow you're you're doing a class uh, here in Region 7. Yep. Um, so... Tell me about that class. What is it about? Uh, tomorrow is uh, vehicle extractions, combatives, basically uh, pulling people out of cars and then uh, fighting, using the interior space to actually gain control. And then the second day, uh, which would be Friday, is going to be all the entangled gunfighting, weapons access, once you put hands on people. Okay. So how has that evolved since you started your career, and, and, and what do you see that um, just – where you were to, to where you are now. What do you see other departments teaching? As far as vehicle extractions, generally that's like the unicorn in training. It's nothing that majority of people that I, I cover vehicle extractions with, their agency has no set standard. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the places, if a guy says, nope, I'm not getting out of the car, it's standing around and wait for SWAT to come out, which makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the majority of people, they have no like written in stone and i mean just recently you know down in the hill country there's been people it's made big news over vehicle extractions you know officers getting fired for it yeah it's a it's a slippery slope it's it is and then there's traffic to to deal with there's i mean there's there's a lot more factors than just fighting someone that's in the alley or a, a 
front yard or anything like that. Definitely. Um, and no administration can really give you the answer. Yeah. And that's what's scary. Yeah. You know, well, it's, it's just one of those areas that, uh, you know, once again, they don't know how to train for it. So they just don't train at all for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's like, you're doing traffic stops, you know, depending on where you work, but you know, you're stopping, you know, 10, 15 cars every shift, you know? So it's, it's a, one of those areas that's, it's, it's high probability that you're going to have to pull somebody out of a car during your work week at some point. Yeah. Especially when you're asking officers to go out there and be productive and be proactive. But what tools are we giving these guys to say, hey, go out and do this? But what tools are we giving them to go, hey, when this happens, what are you going to do about it? And I think that's that's a failing on our part. Uh, well, it's like when I when I was teaching the uh, vehicle extractions at the at the conference a few weeks ago. I mean, some guys their whole mindset was if they wanted to, if they didn't get out of the car right away, just back up and taser them. I'm like, okay, well, what if you create that space? They shut the door. Now what? You just gave up all that ground you worked for. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I didn't think of that. Like a taser doesn't solve all problems. No, no, it doesn't. Oh, we were just actually talking about that. Um, Tasers sometimes become more of a problem because people think it's going to be the answer to every use of force scenario out there, and they're and they're really not. Hey, back to that vehicles class, that vehicle um, tactics class. How many agencies have you taught this to, or different different agencies? I mean, quite a few, right? Quite a few. Yeah. So, how many guys actually come to you to this class and go, "Hey, we have a policy. We do this. This is our SOP. This is how we do it." What do you think? Or is it just kind of like we're here to learn? How to take this back to our agency? Generally, everybody that has been through my course, they're there to take something back. And it's like, you know, tomorrow will be no difference. I'll tell everybody, videotape everything I do. So you'll actually have a solid reference to go back to. You're not just trying to guess what we did. Have you had an administrator or someone like a decision making or somebody that can make decisions at the department come through your course and actually take it and go, yeah, this is, this is good shit, man. Like we're definitely going to do this or. I've had a, I, oh, I had a few actually like actual sheriffs and uh, police chiefs go wow. through, through my course. Yeah. That's actually pretty cool. That's too. Having, having, having the man like yes. there actually going like, you know, and the cool thing was I had one uh, SO actual sheriff in uh, one of my courses and it was, the cool thing about it was at the end of the end of the day, he was like, well, I just got requested budget for like, you know, AR training. He's like, I'm going to cancel that because we need more money for hands on training. Mm-hmm. So that's actually was actually one of the core things. But, yeah, I've had, you know, it's rare to get management but like when it when they do come through yeah there's there's several things i can't say the entire program but there's like there's always three or four things that gets implemented uh at a lot of police academies around the country from the program i think that's so important when people that are higher up especially if you're talking chiefs or sheriffs that are investing in their own time to go out to a training class because to the troops, man, that speaks volumes. And then also, they have blood in the game now. Like yep. They're looking at it and going, wow, okay, I haven't done this in so many years. Because everybody in police work start off and patrol. It's not like you work for some company and you get hired out of college and you've never done the, the lowest job there is at the department. 
You've been in patrol, so you know what those calls are like. You know what traffic stops are like. And when chiefs take the time to do that, that's investing back in their guys, and that speaks volumes. So chiefs out there, people with higher decision-making skills, man, invest in these trainings and and go out for yourself. Don't just be a spectator and and, and want these guys to do different things but not – put yourself out there. Well, my thing too is if, if I'm the uh, lonely patrol guy that's hesitant about training, it's like, what's going to be my excuse when, when my boss is getting after it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have one. Yeah. But where we come from up here, we don't see that a lot. I mean, cause you know, larger agencies, eh, you're going to get your bosses out there to train. Well, we have a hard time getting them to come to our own in-service training versus coming out to like an outside class, especially dealing with vehicle combatives or uh, removing people from, you know, uh, unruly people from vehicles. I mean, we're never going to get, I I don't think we're going to get our bosses out there to uh, go through that class. Um, Weren't you assigned a couple years ago or a year ago to come up with some uh, some program to remove people from vehicles? Yeah, we were given that task uh, pre-COVID, but we were kind of told some boundaries uh they had already answered the question for us on how to get people out of the vehicle um and it's it's kind of laughable but we we were told that just refresh them with pressure point control tactics and that that's the end all what do you mean ppct uh just pressure points in general without getting too far into that yes Uh, and you know you laugh and then you start getting upset because you realize that they're serious about, about this and you, you sit back and try to be as political as you can. And you know that I'm the worst <laughs> politically correct asshole. I think you do better other than me. Than, well, you definitely do better than I do. That bar you're, is you're low. Big there. Daddy Ron. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Well, you start explaining things to them um, and then they just get frustrated and basically tell, tell you to, to do it this way because they are the subject matter experts because of the color of their badge and you're, you're stuck. You're kind of, you're stuck putting out a product, you know, that you know probably isn't as effective and you have better ways, but you know, you're also representing the department and what their uh, goal is and what they want you to do. So it makes it very hard. And, um, so I, I've learned to modify, you know, pressure point control tactics with, you know, arm locks and other other things. Um, our admin, you know this, they they just see a title. They don't care about the content. So as long as it's all under the same umbrella, they're happy. Yeah, and That's kind of how we. So I grew up watching wrestling. So the Iron Claw and like the Oriental Spike, is that what we're talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Iron Claw. Iron Claw always works. <laughs> yeah. Are you familiar with PPCT? Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it works so, so fast you, in protesters. So you have a <laughs> so you have a grin ear to ear. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> like like what is what's your opinion of PPCT? Is it outdated? Oh my god, that that it's it's PPCT. It's one of those deals. Like I said, it, it it's good on like you know fasting protesters and uh, but generally you know my limited experience all it does is piss people off. Mm-hmm. It, it makes them fight more, fight, right? It makes them fight more. So, like, yeah. I go to put, like, the mandibular angle on somebody. Yeah. They're going to do what? Probably try to get away from it and yeah. fight me. They're just going to cause me more, right? more, Yeah, it causes more resistance. Well, well, first off, yeah. you're I'm relying on a pain compliance technique. You're probably putting on it on somebody who knows no pain at that time. Yeah. You might as well thumb wrestle with each other. Just, yeah. just do yeah. that. Or just let them drive off. Yeah, yeah. you could do that, too. 
Yeah. That's probably what's going to happen is let them drive off. It's not even worth it anymore. So, Cliff, the class that you're teaching right now, uh, for us, where, where did you develop this? Where did you get this uh, program? Is this something you developed? Or? It's, yeah, I mean, it's, I train a lot. I'm a student way more than, than I'm an instructor, but like, uh, uh, vehicle extraction, it actually came about in February of 2004. Um, Pursuit, 14, uh, 14 year old, want to see a gangster girl around uh, South Central there. Um, basically, she crashed out so the car couldn't go forward or backwards, which is kind of the key when you do vehicle instructions. Uh, watch commander was on the uh, South Sidewalk and he was like, uh, SWAT call out, she's not getting out of the car. And basically, I, I only been back from Iraq for a couple months and I'm like, eh, I can shoot somebody as good as SWAT. We're gonna <laughs> not going to wait because I was a typical asshole too that so we came with an extraction plan went up uh put a team together just went up uh reached a window yanked her out the window and uh then we went back and a few months later uh we had the department e-learning and uh, i came back that hey that wasn't policy so um so that kind of started that and then uh, me and some partners i had a good really good partner her and i used to train a lot so then we just started looking at ways to uh pull people out of cars, uh, basically treating uh, vehicles just like you would clear a room. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- you know, you can have as many people as you want on the sidewalk, but it's really two, it, you know, pulling people out, the actual hands-on is actually should be two people in my opinion. But, uh, and then uh, went to uh, Iraq with uh, First Force again, and then uh, started pulling uh, high-value targets out of cars over there. So, I mean, kind of, I think I have a pretty solid program. It worked in uh, law enforcement. It worked overseas pulling bomb makers and high value targets out of cars. So, so your, your program is not based on theory. I don't know. I don't believe in the good idea fairy for anything. Okay. Uh, I think you should uh, get somebody who basically knows what you know yeah. and try to make it fail. Yeah. So if your training partner who knows what you're trying to do, uh, can't make it fail, then I say it's a pretty solid program to take out to the field. Yeah. yeah. So what makes it so attractive if if you were an administrator looking at it? Because I kind of think about it. It's it's being able to hurt somebody but not look like you're hurting somebody, but be effective in, in, in doing what you need to do to affect the arrest or affect the job that you're having to do. Well, with the the way I go about vehicle extractions is, is I tr- – what we do is as soon as the door comes open, uh, we jam them inside the car and you're controlling the uh, both shoulders basically so they can't turn back into you. So you, you do a visual wingspan clearance of the interior of the car. And then you got your different extractions, arm bars, uh, head control type stuff like that, uh, Russian ties. Uh, there's about three different techniques that, uh, that I go to. But uh, if it is, the thing is like they're not getting out of the car for a reason. Right. So, uh, and what they found out at the conference too, is like, if you drive them into the car, even if there's a weapon in play, it's very difficult for them to get in, get to that weapon system. Um, and then you can work it. So it, it reduces liability to the officer and the agency. And it's actually probably less liability to the offender. Yeah. Cause you're not sitting there doing this roadside tug of war, you know, they expect to get pulled out of the car. And when you drive them into the car, initially, they don't really know what's going on. So you throw them out of their thought process. Yeah. And then next thing you know, they're getting yanked out of the car. 
So does this work with uh, say intoxicated drug induced people that are just kind of out of it, just kind of like that limp kind of like just refusing to do anything you ask well, or not I, understanding what you're asking? Yeah. I, you know, I had one, we had one, he actually, uh, there in South central, he, uh, basically drove his car into, uh, side of an apartment building, but he was uh, actually, he was going into, uh, you know, he was having a diabetic emergency. So, I mean, he was about as out of it as you could get. So, you know, the thing is, it's like the concepts are the same. If it's, you know, a crackhead in a 92 stolen Corolla or a homicide suspect, you know, it's just like, the concepts are the same. It's just what level you're going to start with. You know, homicide suspect, you'll probably start introducing gas and stuff like that, you know, canine, but, you know, the approach and everything's still the same. So the tactics that you're teaching work for your patrol base officer, your narcotic officer, your SWAT operator trying to extract yep. somebody from a barricade vehicle or something like that. So it, same, same across it, the board. It's the same, same. It just depends what point of escalation you start with. You know, like a, you know, cracking a stolen 92 Corolla. Just, you know, probably walk up, reach the window and pull him out. You know, if it's a higher threat level, like, you know, a known homicide suspect or, you know, something like that, you probably start like porting windows and introducing yeah. gas before you, but their approach is still the same. You still treat it like a room clear. So a question, when you're breaching the window, are we using a shield for cover? Are we using a special window tool to breach that? Or is it the old asp, to, you know, baton coming out? Usually like, you know, what, what we had was depending on the level, but it's like, you know, PR 24 to the front window. If it's a higher level, then we're going to take a bean background and put through the, the back window, you know, the passenger side or driver side rear door window. Cause they break the easiest, mm -hmm. you know, start putting light. Then you can start introducing, you know, whatever chemical agents you want to the car from there. If it's a higher level of threat. So works pretty well. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned the uh, the beanbag round. Would you shoot a forty millimeter SpongeBob round through a? Why are you laughing? Uh, okay, because I know where you're going. With Would that. you shoot a forty millimeter SpongeBob round through the passenger window of a car with someone sitting in the passenger seat and driver's seat? Probably not. Probably not. That might yeah, hurt. That, that might. That might cost, cost you some money. Yeah, I was just asking. So that's your yeah, professional that's, opinion. Yeah, that's, I was just that's, asking that's for a friend. Professional opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, was just, I was just asking for a friend. <laughs> just, just make it. No, that's. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, so, that's something that we were dealing with for a while. So let me ask y'all this, both of y'all. Big Ron, too, man. So when you hear DT defensive tactic, do you like that term or not? I think it's a very misunderstood I, I do, term. Yeah, it bothers me. Like, what about you, Cliff? Oh, I, I hate it. I can't stand yeah, it. I, I do too. Yeah. Like, so what do you think is a better terminology for it? Are you asking me from an administrative point of view or? I'm asking big, dong, wrong, Ron's point of view, man. And, you know, you could, I've heard a lot of response to resistance, uh, you know, anything from DT, which we don't like, uh -huh. you know. To me, control tactics. Mm -hmm. What about you? Fits Cliff? good. Fits yeah, good. control tactics works good. I mean, uh, but just that whole DT. I mean, to me, this develops the wrong mindset. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I not going to be defensive because that's what. Yes, we're defending ourselves from the 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 bad guy trying to hurt us, but defensive is not the mindset. You got to go on the attack when someone's yep. attacking you. You just can't be defensive. You got to give it back to them, like. If they're if they're doing this, then okay, here's what you're going to get back from me. And I think that's, 
I don't know where that started. I don't know why that started. People don't understand more, more violence sooner requires less violence later. Yeah, exactly. That's really good. Yeah. But bosses, you know, I say bosses, decision makers, man, they're not going to, they're not going to buy off on that. (laughs) They're really not just because of the word violence that you're putting in there. But we all understand that. I mean, we all know that. Um, my thing, I think, you know, defensive tactics, the word defensive, like you talked about, it puts us that we're getting attacked. Right. And just like you said, sometimes we have to go on that attack to get that person under control as quickly and safely as possible. So we're not having to do the extra violence or on Mm -hmm. him or, or him versus us or on us, you know, doing that. I think that's the biggest problem now is, um, I, I think in 2021, I think we're all, um, nervous and scared to, to, to put hands on, on anybody just because of what's happening across the country. I think, well, that plays in a role, but I think it's a lot of it too, is if you just look at the uh, five years and less people that's on the job, they grew up where fighting is bad. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like, it's amazing. Like you can talk to an academy class and, you know, all but maybe one who grew up in the inner city, you know, actually been in a fist fight growing up. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I, I just don't understand that. Yeah. Like when they started suspending you for defending yourself in school. Yeah. And punished you for not telling somebody else kind of raised a generation where somebody else is going to go take the problem. Yeah. Or take care of the problem other than me. Yeah. And nobody knows now when you're all of a sudden the person who's supposed to take care of that problem. They don't know what to do. When I was in school for a little while as an SRO, that was always a big issue in mind that I had of kids would get beat up or they get in a fight. And I'm like, hey, man, this kid's defending himself. Like, if it was my son, hey, man, you better go after it because if not, bad stuff can happen to you. And I'll, I'll give you all the kudos in the world of defending yourself. But you have to. And I always had a problem with that. And, and, that was, a, that was an issue that I always saw of, and you got to be able to defend yourself. Violence is necessary sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's righteous, uh, and, and it, it solves a lot of problems, uh, especially when you're doing violence on someone who doesn't care and doesn't have rules. When we, have, when we do violence, we have rules that we have to still stay within, yeah. uh, and that's what's, that's what's frustrating is we just don't get to pick up a chair. It's not WWE wrestling and pick up a chair, start hitting people and doing all this other shit. Now, with that being said, can you do that? Yeah, there's some extremes that allow us to do that, but on the most part, we're, we're doing that. So how do you, how do you, when you, when you teach both of y'all, so how do we work within those rules, work within the guidelines, work within the constitution to be able to still do our business, but in a professional way? Like, how do you, how do you teach that? like the, what the things I teach, it's like, you know, get into a dominant position and keep it, mm-hmm. you know, take away the uh, bad guys mobility before you introduce any tools, but stay in a position where you have mobility. Cause if you lose mobility, chances are you might lose consciousness, yeah. consciousness. And so it's, you know, get in a dominant position, stay in a dominant position, you know, but give them the skills where, you know, it can go from a simple, you know, arm bar to, you know, and you can escalate it all the way up from there. But if they don't have skills, then you, I mean, you see it in all these like, you know, news making videos where, 
you know, they don't have skills to fall or even life experience to fall back onto. So, you know, when magic sparky taser thing fails that they escalate to our much higher level of force. They go from fail taser to, to lethal right away. Cause they yeah. don't know what to do because they don't have anything to fall back on. They never been punched in the face. Yeah. How did you guys, <clears throat> where you came from, how did you guys expose those new kids and their kids to some of the violence, some of the real world stuff that they may be seen on the streets? Well, like in South Central, I mean, like my patrol district was 11.3 miles. We had five housing projects and 109 active gangs. So you you either <laughs> rose to the yeah you either rose to the occasion or you left as soon as your paperwork went through. How about on the academy level to get them ready to go to to uh, your division? Well, the academy. I mean, it's like I never worked at the academy, but it, it that was interesting because um, I'd had kids come out when I was an FTO, and you know they, they sit in the car and it's just like, sir, you know, in the academy they told us if we get a complaint or use of force on probation, they could fire us. I'm just like. Dude, that, that's probably going to happen both in the next twelve hours, you know. Here, and uh, but it's like, but but the, I think the problem is like in the academy. Even when I went to the academy in the mid nineties, was like, you know, you have your ass kicking class, and then right after the ass kicking class, you'd have a legal class, and you yeah. have some squint telling you, hey, everything you just did, that'll get you fired or put in jail. Yeah, yeah, you know. So those two shouldn't even be like be able to connect those two. You know, I don't I don't have the answer for that, but. You know, that's what I'm seeing. And to me, that that's just a mind fuck. Yeah. yeah. Ron, what do you guys do to uh, to expose some of these kids that don't have the life experience to to what they may see on the streets? Well, it depends on if my bosses are listening or not. But, uh, <laughs> well, so let's we, just say so I'd rather them get people them. that listen to this. And it's probably none of our bosses. Well, so. let's just say I'd rather them get punched in the face in a controlled environment for the first time in their lives than in, out on the street in an uncontrolled environment. And I say punched in the face. We're not we're not doing that. But what we're doing is we're in, trying to introduce them to as much of a violent situation as we can. So they in in a controlled where we're controlling it, so they can experience that that oh yeah. shit we've all been punched the first time in the face we've all the first time we faced violence doesn't matter if as officers or kids or whatever it was very different than it is now yeah. the, for us now I get punched heck I get punched all the time and I can react a little bit more because I I know I can survive this I know my body reacts knows that yeah. okay this is nothing. I'm still breathing. I'm still awake. I can fight through this. Yeah. So we, we introduce stress through stand up stuff, stand up defenses. Um, and right after that, we, we try to simulate fights going to the ground and giving them some ground rounds, uh, introducing some weapons into that where they have to control and, and defend themselves, uh, over a weapon on the ground. And we just crank up the stress as much as we can. So both of you guys have a background in jujitsu. Yeah. Do you think that department should just solely do jujitsu or no. Uh, no, a little bit of everything or? Well, for me, you got to have a striking game because, uh, you know, it, it's like I've had some very high level grapplers out at my place. And with my striking background, I'm pretty decent at shutting their grappling game down. Mm -hmm. I think you have to have both, you know, you got, cause to me, like if you're comfortable on the ground, uh, you're not afraid of, messing up standing up because you know like hey if my clinch game or my upper body control game fails and i slip on banana peel and end up on the ground i'm comfortable there too yeah 
But, you know, grappling doesn't solve everything. You know, it's like the some of the projects, uh, two of the projects where I work, you and your partner go into foot pursuit and, you know, 50 of their friends would be chasing you and your partner. I'm not going to the ground. I'm smashing the guy into a wall, you know. But it's like, you know, nowadays, you know, everybody wants to push jiu-jitsu and it's just like, you know, I'm a catch wrestler. I think catch wrestling is more practical for law enforcement than jiu-jitsu anyway because it's right. more of a grind. But uh, that's just my opinion. What do you think, Ron? I love jiu-jitsu. I train it as much as I can often. Um, but that being said, in 22 years of law enforcement, I've never been in a fight where it started on the ground. I've yep. uh, been in fights where it's ended on the ground, but never started on the ground. Uh, me, the guys I train ground with, we laugh, you know, all right, we're going to fight, and we sit down. Yeah. And that's a huge training scar uh, not to have a stand-up game or, you know, oh, footwork and, and stuff like that. So when you say striking, what background do you have in striking? Oh, God, I started boxing. I started wrestling. I'll be 54 in June. I started wrestling when I was six. I uh, started boxing in your typical karate kid stuff when I was nine. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got into, uh, well, in 86, I went to uh, Thailand with the Marine Corps. And uh, even though I tell you, hey, do not get in the ring, um, you know, beer was three cents. So I, up, <laughs> so I got my ass kicked probably by a 12-year-old. <laughs> You know, that was about 70 pounds. So when I got back to Camp Pendleton, I ended up uh, doing some more research and gotten into uh, Muay Thai in the 80s. Uh, still train it uh-huh. uh, pretty much uh, three, four days a week at least. I'm uh, training with Pete Spratt at San Antonio, former USC guy. Okay. But yeah, that's uh, dirty boxing. That's my thing. I teach you basically uh, all my striking, which we'll be doing Friday, is is basically all striking, but from the clinch. Okay. So basically, it's like I tell people, if somebody is grappling, uh, trying to hold you, especially if you're wearing a uniform, if somebody's trying to hold you, you should be asking yourself, are they holding me till somebody else jumps in or are they trying to disarm me? Mm-hmm. So if they're trying to hold me, you know, I'm going to strike until I can set up my control. If they're striking, then I'm going to grapple to shut because I don't, you know, everybody can get lucky. Yeah. So, you know, that that's my plan and that that's kind of how I am. I train and teach. So if, if they're grappling, you don't know how to strike from that grappling range. Yep. You know, I like that. So now uh, with the internet and social media and man, it seems like here lately we are watching videos that happened three days ago and they're getting posted. It's amazing what's happening with these videos. So when you're watching videos, what are you thinking of some of these things? Like what's going through your mind with when you're seeing officers react or not react i don't even really pay attention to the officer Mm -hmm. i don't really give a shit what i don't i don't like you know i don't like growing up watch playing sports you don't watch the losing team that's a good point you know i i pay attention to i try to pick up as many anomalies and everything that the bad guy did before the bad guy did what he did right right and then i look at once i know okay you know knucklehead offender did this, this, and this to set up his attack. Then I look at, okay, what do I bring to the game? What's my skill? How does my skill set, my fitness, my awareness, preparation, how can it handle and shut down what the bad guy did at the earliest before it got to where it got? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of how I pay attention to videos. And, um, you know, being in my Facebook group, a lot of people obviously don't know how to watch videos because they get butt hurt and yeah. start screaming money more than a quarterback and give the guy a trophy. And that's just stupid to me. Yeah. But Oh, for sure. What about you, Ron? Uh, pretty much the same. I watch it from the bad guy's perspective. Mm-hmm. Just see what he's doing, what he did right, yeah. I guess, to win the fight. Yeah. And uh, what he did that we could we could have picked up on where we could have done better. I hardly ever watch the officer because to be honest with you, we already know what happens or we wouldn't be asked to watch the video. Yeah. So we already, we already know who's losing. So yeah. let's see what, what they're doing, what the other guy is doing to win. Yeah. I think a lot of times when we watch these videos, we see the, the, the bad guy take advantage so much of what the officer is not doing or overdoing. Sometimes I think a lot of times these officers are getting themselves hurt or killed because of their, their inefficiencies to take care of a problem uh, or they, they're seeing something, but they don't know how to react to it. That's like, when I'll watch the videos. Um, I look at as a trainer that way. That's the first time that officer either thought about that or had that happen to him. Yeah. They've never, what if that game they've never been through a training scenario with that, with, with that problem. And that's the first time that's happening. And now that person has no idea how to react to, to this problem that they have yeah. in front of them. And you, most of the time they under, they underperform because they're not mentally prepared to, to one, deal with that problem and two work through that problem to, you know, overcome whatever yeah. thing they have in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I hate, I honestly hate watching the videos and giving my opinion on the videos because we, I don't know what that person was feeling at that time, what they were seeing. I don't know a whole lot. I'm just watching a, 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 a video of that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's tough for me to watch some of the videos. Yeah, no, they are. Uh, so we could teach guys skills, teach them, hey, we're going we're gonna to do this, we're going to do this, and we can show them. What about the mindset? How do we teach mindset to guys? Do you think you can? I, I, honestly, I don't think you can teach mindset. You either have it or you don't. Yeah, yeah. You know, mindset's like, to me, it's so overused. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, you know, people are like, oh, all you need is mindset. It's like, okay, let me mount you and see if you can mindset your way to your feet. Ain't going to happen. <laughs> you know, with mindset, you got to have equal skill. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Mindset is a magical. Mindset might get you in the fight, but it's not going to help you win the fight. No. Yeah, mindset may keep you going, like not to give up, yeah. but eventually you're gonna you're gonna tire out, and you're yeah, you know, you're right, man. Mindset's not gonna get you out of a a, a bad position if that person uh, on top of you has the mindset to continue and has the skill set to back up the mindset. Well, I, I think that's where a lot of cops get lucky too. Is generally, you know, most most knuckleheads they they quit before the officer does. Yeah, you, you know, it's like they both equally suck, but the bad guy gives up first. You know, that's why they're like, oh, you know, and that's why a lot of guys don't train. Well, it's like everything I've done so far has worked so far. And it's just because nobody's truly made it fail. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Uh, and I think you have to, the mindset. You just can't not have any type of mindset. But like you said, there, there, it's a good balance. Like you have to be able to kind of like violence a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, you're ready to go. I'm ready to go. All right, let's. You know, with, with mindset though, you got to have the willingness too. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it's like a lot of people, they talk a big game, but then when it comes time to smash somebody, they're just like, oh, I don't want to go that <laughs> route. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so what do you see? Who, do you think that this is one of my kind of arguments? 
I feel like administration has taken more tools away from us unnecessarily uh, to do our job effectively. Do y'all feel the same way? Like, yeah, to a, to a degree, but you know, we we find ways to to survive and adapt. Um, we when we lost uh, crowded neck restraints, yeah, I'm hearing that a lot from our guys. You know, now well, that was our tool. What do we do? What do we do now? What what's going on? And I kind of equate it to them. Well, you know, back in the late '70s, early '80s, the Supreme Court said we couldn't shoot people uh, fleeing felons, and when I came on my department, my first department years ago, I, you know, had to hear officers where well, they handcuffed us. What are we going to do from now? And we adapted. That's what we do. We will adapt. We find other ways. I mean, we talked about other techniques, other training, you know, PPCT, and that might have been good in the 70s before people started watching UFC and YouTube yeah, and everything. Right. We got to adapt. We got to constantly evolve. But we just stop and blame us not being able to do what we used to be able to do, then we're already behind the game. And, you know, we're, we as trainers have failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just, I think they need to, uh, instead of investing in tools, they need to invest that money in, in the people. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, I mean, if you look at more cops die from heart attacks than, than anything else, I mean, but it's just like, Oh, I'm going to go buy this, you know, sp- you know, the Spider-Man net or whatever that stupid rap bolo thing <laughs> there is now, you know, it's just like, you know, it's like, let's, let's buy another tool. Let's buy another tool. Why don't, why don't we take that money and invest it in our people? Let's yeah. make our people better. Yeah. You know, let's, let's like give them incentives to be healthy, yeah. you know, you know, cause fitness is your, if you're talking about mindset, you know, your, mm-hmm. your fitness plays the biggest role in my opinion, in your mindset, yeah. strong leg, strong mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. if your gas is stepping out of your, your patrol vehicle, you know, <laughs> yeah. once the yeah. fight starts, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's going to go downhill from there. Yeah. I think it's a lot easier for, from an administration point of view to invest in gadgets than in their own people. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Because here's what they think. Here's what well. they think. They think if something goes wrong with a gadget and someone gets hurt or killed, then the magical people that invented said gadget is going to come in and kind of help us work through this lawsuit or this litigation or whatever it is. And from what we're finding out um, at my department is, yeah, they're not. You know, like everybody has a certain technique. And if, if you do, I don't know, jujitsu, if you do spear, PPCT, if you do all these different techniques, man, it's like one or two guys that came up with this stuff. And, you know, I mean, they may help you to a point, but no one's going to come in and like help you work through any of this lawsuit stuff that you're dealing with or any of the litigation from uh, a use of force that someone got hurt, you know? I mean, generally, like from what my ex, my experiences with you know those like guarantees, it's 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 a sales pitch. You know, they don't really mean it. You know, you you'll call those companies, they're like, oh yeah, we'll call you back and uh, give us a few days. Like, yeah, you guys did what? No, yeah, 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 we'll call you back in yeah. a week or so. We'll, we'll get back with or, you. Or they'll <clears throat> review the video and say, well, no, that officer's pinky was at a forty-four degree angle, and our <laughs> technique says forty-five. Therefore, you weren't doing our technique, so they wash yeah. their hands of it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that's what's so frustrating is. You're you're judged on all these videos and things, and, and officers are making millisecond decisions and having to fight in an environment that's not friendly to fight in. Uh, there's rules that we're going in, and they don't have rules. They can do whatever they want. 
And man, there's so much out there for an officer to have to think about to, to, to perform his duties just to get handcuffs on somebody. And that's, I mean, that's asking a lot of somebody and then not investing in them to give them the proper tools and all this kind of stuff. Because what happens with all these fancy tools? How, what's y'all's opinion on the taser? I mean, it fails half the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have we seen taser deployments and you're like, fuck, what happened there? You know? I think people enjoy these gadgets from an officer's perspective because it's easy. They don't have to train. They don't have to invest the time. All they have to do is point, yeah. push a button, mm-hmm. and let electricity solve all my problems. Yeah. That's easier than going to the gym and training and pulling muscles and getting sore and, and yeah. you know, putting in the work. Yeah. So now Taser, oh, man, we had an officer shoot somebody – with a gun saying there was a taser. So now that's the problem. And, and you're like, okay, no, that was a fuck up by one officer. Yeah. And it's happened before, but let's, let's evaluate what this officer's background was, what their discipline was. Let's, let's, there's more to the story than just what we saw in this video. And it's more to the story that it's the taser's fault. I mean, I've seen taser deployments work very well and I've seen them not work very well. Yeah. I think we put too much pressure. I've seen a 40 millimeter not do its job either and i've seen it do its job i've seen pepper spray work i've seen pepper spray not work bullets fail how many bullets does it take to shoot someone and 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 take them down no one fucking knows that question yeah so something we emphasize derek and i uh when we train and the trainer group that we have is look expect it to fail whatever you use have a plan b yeah and what we are seeing is a lot of times they we don't have that plan B. Yeah. If if our plan A isn't working, then what do we do? We either get stuck in that loop of just repeating what we're doing and failing there, or we just stand there. And you know, I think you know, putting that mindset in. Yeah, taser will work sometimes. Yeah, the armbar will work sometimes, but it doesn't. There's no end all be all technique mm-hmm. out there that's going to work or or tool. Yeah. So you know, we need to start training that and getting that mindset in an officer. Well, my thing is, I think there's too many gadgets now that officers rely on. So we talked about this on an earlier episode. It goes into Hicks Law. Like, you have so many options. Now you're trying to process in this, you know, um, really fast developing situation. What should I use? Should I use handguns? Should I use tasers? Should I use OC? Should I use my baton? And by the time guys figure out what they want to use or need to use, now they're, they're already getting their ass kicked or they're so far behind, they'll never catch up in the um, in the curve of that fight. So... I, I think people rely too much on gadgets. They don't have extra plans in their head of what they need to do or what they're going to do if, if this whatever technique fails. And I think, honestly, most people, um, most officers, most younger officers and some older officers, um, they've never experienced that violence that we're talking about. And they've been officers for five years, 20 years, whatever it is. And they've gone or they say, hey, I've gone 20 years without this ever happening to me. It's probably never going to happen. And you can't and, and you can't say that. No. So um, always tell uh, the recruits when they're with me doing doing whatever um, I'm doing, like play the what if game. They need to constantly play the what if game. What if this guy does this? I'll do this. If this guy does this, I'll do this. As I'm walking up to this front door of this house and this happens, I should do this because at least then we're thinking about it just a little bit. And if it something does happen, maybe not that exact scenario, they'll have a good mental map of what they should do. 
if something happens to them. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard to get those, and I call them kids, it's hard to get the kids, the new guys to do that because, again, like you said earlier, Cliff, they don't have the life experience. They're not, yeah. They don't know what true violence really is. It's like I used to ask my kids when I was doing the FTO thing too. It's just like, okay, this domestic violence call. If you knew this was just a nine one one call to set up a, an ambush, like, would you change your approach? Well, of course. Like, well, then why don't you, then why don't yeah, you do it then, now? Then why aren't we doing it now? <clears throat> yeah. yeah, you know, it's like if you look at usually American car analogy, it's faster to go from sixty to zero than zero to sixty. So if you go in that mindset that, hey, somebody's going to try to kill me, and then it's like, if they don't, okay, they just want to fight. If they don't, fine, we'll just make up a report and leave, you know. But what you see is, like, it doesn't go, you know, to, to his plan because you're presuming compliance, just like the Minnesota thing or wherever yeah. it was at, yeah. uh, you know, in that negligent discharge of the firearm you know, that was a fear-based response. And, you know, when people respond out of fear, they stop. Fear shuts off thinking. Yeah. So you, you talked know. about fear-based. Let's let, let's talk about this. Have you ever heard of fear-based training? Mm-hmm. So um, some admin guys are like, man, you guys got to be careful what you, you know, like how you're training these people because what you're doing is you're setting them up for failure because you're scaring the shit out of them. You're, you're, you're making these, these scenarios too tough or, you know, it's too, it's too scary for these guys. Are you guys using fear-based training to get your point across? I, I think it's a good thing. Uh, and I use it. I look at it. I don't know if I'd really call it fear-based, but it's like, I want you to fail, but I also want you to know why you failed. Like if you understand the concepts of whatever we're doing, if you have a good grasp of the concepts, you're going like, man, you're right. I didn't do this or that. That's why that technique failed. So if you understand the concepts and you understand why it failed, you know, not just because your training partner was going full potato or whatever, but if, if you go pressure test it at a realistic rate, you know, and you got a good bad guy, op four guy, you know, if you fail, then you should understand why you fail. I don't, I don't believe, Oh, here's your trophy. Good job. You know, that's, that's the biggest bullshit thing to me it's like i'd rather have you fail miserably in the training room than go out in the street you know there's no two scenarios ever going to be the same but your brain also doesn't know the difference between a realistic scenario and an actual event you know so the more realistic scenarios you can put them through the better they're going to perform when something similar happens out in the field so you run the scenario tough scenarios push them till they fail debrief the scenario. This is why you failed. This is what we failed at. Do you run the exact same scenario again and see if we can overcome those failures and find more? Something similar. Yeah. I mean, my biggest takeaway is I tell people take winning off the table. I want you to learn. Okay. Replace winning with learning, but also understand the concepts. Like if you understand the concepts, if you can walk away and you're going like, Oh shit, I know why that technique failed. It just dawned on me what I didn't do. And that's the same way I teach, like, you know, kids jiu-jitsu and everything else. Like, it's okay to fail, but you should under, you know, it's just like you get not caught in an arm bar, you know, rolling with somebody. You should know why, like, oh, you know what? My elbow got away from my body. Uh, you know, I let my arm get too far extended. That's why I got caught in an arm bar. So if you understand what concepts you screwed up on that made whatever you were doing fail, then that's winning. Because mm-hmm. you can instantly go back and fix that. Yeah. So make the mistakes, 
learn from those mistakes and don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah, exactly. But you, but you have to be teaching like fundamental base concepts. Hey, this is the, this is what's important for this fight. And these are the concepts. If you find yourself in this fight, this is what you need to focus on and apply. Yeah. The, uh, so if you were an administrator, how much time would you give to training these combatives to? Wait, 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 wait. Let's not say that. Let's say as Cliff and Ron, Mm -hmm. how much time would you give to combative training and use of force training versus what administrators say that we should get? You you need to be doing something every week. You know, and it's, you know, I was at an agency down by me, uh, teaching a class and, um, individual, you know, injured their ankle and they're just like, once again, they're trying to cut down the program, the in-service for those guys. And I'm like, well, if you have more mat time, the less injuries you'll have. People don't get on the mat. And, you know, this is like doing involuntary yoga. So if you don't get on the mat and actually train putting hands on people and having people put hands on you, your body's going to become fragile. So if you just get on the mat for the first time when it's required every year or whatever, you're going to end up getting more injuries than if you force it, make it like a weekly progress. Yeah. Definitely the more reps they can get as often as, as they can get, it's going to uh, enhance that technique or whatever skill set they have and reduce injuries. So how much time would that look like? 30 minutes, an hour? You know, it's like to me, it's like take what you can get, but if you can just get people an hour, two hours a week, but you know, it's like, like we used to, like our station was like inside of a little wall compound with our own little gas pumps. Like as my partner and I, as our car was filling up to go out and do our thing, we were like, Hey, let's just hit like 10 arm drags. Mm-hmm. And the next day we might, Hey, let's just hit, you know, whatever we're doing. Let's, you know, underhook bicep tie. So it's kind of like dry firing your weapon. Yeah, yeah. Cause you know, in the next 12 hours, we might have to put hands on people, but we didn't like wait to the department made training mandatory. We had 15 minutes or 10 minutes uh, as our car was gassing up. Hey, let's just hit this 10 times. Yeah. That's definitely. You you have to take responsibility for your own safety. Really? How much time? I mean. How much time? Wow. That's so, that's an amazing concept. (laughs) Man, but you know what? Most cops don't. That's what's crazy to me. Exactly. How much time would you like to see? Are you talking about just in training or? Like just pure combative stuff a week. Man, you know me. I well, live I mean, on the mat. You so trade every night. So as, many, that's not... as much as you want to give me. But no, honestly, it's like Cliff was saying. You could do a lot of reps, low intensity, on your own. Like you were saying, it's dry firing. It's as much time as you're willing to put in for your own survival. You know, we talked about mindset. I think the mindset starts, you know, your will. You want to get better. You want to do uh, these techniques for your own personal benefit so time you know i can depend on your mindset and you're willing to learn you could do as little as 30 minutes a week or as much as you know a few hours it, it really depends you know to, to me like if departments i don't know about here in texas but i know out in uh, california our, our roll calls every day was 45 minutes you know we had a 45 minute roll call so yeah it's crazy not and, not here. And, yeah, not yeah. Here. and most Get of the time service yeah but, you know, and most of the time those roll calls was like, you know, watching some 
VHS tape from like, you know, 1977, you know, they were really concerned about department liability instead of, you know, 15 minutes, it could be about whatever, but then hey, 30 minutes, we're just going to go work this. You know, you have to, but generally we just sit there on our ass for 45 minutes and do nothing. Oh, we bitch. Don't forget about that. Yeah, we bitch a lot. And eat snacks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not really a true roll call unless you're bitching about something. Yeah. <laughs> Especially on day shift, like yeah. the older guys on day shift. Admin's always out to get you, yeah. but only you. Yeah. <laughs> what, Cliff, what what do you tell the guys that go, man, fuck, man, I got, uh, I've got wife, I've got two kids, i got a fucking dog, i got I, dude, I got this off-duty job i got to do. I don't have time to fucking train like you, man. I don't have time to do that shit. You know, to me, it's all bullshit. Because I took my, uh, like, kind of my son was like, as soon as he turned four years old, I started dragging him to jiu-jitsu with me. You know, it's just not a priority. So you'll find an excuse, you know. You, you know, you, you'll make an excuse not to go. Um, I still have a W-2 form. I show people. I know my big year, I spent almost twenty eight grand out of pocket on training. Wow. You know, that's, you know, rifle, pistol, medical, jiu-jitsu, you know, every other seminar out there. But I was working every overtime gig that we could get and five off-duty jobs, mm-hmm. you know. My wife, I mean, she was always supportive, but it's like, hey, we'll have time to spend together when you retire, but you have to make it retirement. Yeah, fucking survive. <laughs> you know, you have to make it there. So it's one of those deals, you know, it's like, um, you know, if you don't make time for it now, well, you know, you know, pick a buddy that you want to want your kids to call dad because that, that might happen. You know? <laughs> it's the way I see it, you know? So who were, who were some of the trainers that are, that were influential, influential in your life? Um, oh God. It's like, for me, it's like, I, like I said, I started wrestling when I was six and I, I was never like that gifted athlete. Mm-hmm. So like, even as a young kid, like I spent, the entire month of July growing up, especially like in middle school from about 12 years on, I spent the entire month of July up in uh, Iowa going to Dan Gable's intense camp. And then I hit probably two or three other, other wrestling camps because, you know, my dad was like, you know, Hey, you know, second place is the first loser, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, you know, but it's like, you know, if, if you want to, if you want to make the varsity team, you know, you can't wait till wrestling season starts. It's a year round year round yeah. thing. And then, uh, you know, go in the Marine Corps and uh, volunteer twice, got the recon. You had, you know, old school guys there. Hey, you know, every day, what are you going to do to earn your spot? You know, and that just kind of followed over. Uh, but God, man, it's like I train a lot. Like probably my one of my biggest uh, mentors uh, in combatives world is Craig Douglas. I've okay. been training with him for about 13 years. Yeah. Uh, God, man, firearms guys. It's just crazy the amount of firearms guys I've trained with. But, you know, Jerry Wetzel out in California, my boxing coach. I do a lot with Cecil Birch, those guys. But, okay. yeah, I mean, it's just numerous. I mean, it's like this last week, and I drove up to Oklahoma to train with Bill Rapier doing integrated combatives. Oh, wow. You know, it's like I'm always looking at. So you're still a student. I, I, I'm a, I train more than I teach. Really? You know, and I'm 54 and double-digit surgery, so I'll be 54 in June. But, yeah, I pretty much have arthritis from my ears to my freaking feet. So it's like, <laughs> but, you know, it's like to me, it's like I still have a wife that that depends on me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's, you know, somebody, you know, we get fucked with in a hotel parking lot, you know, you know, 
what are you going to do? Like, sorry, honey. You know, <laughs> you know? I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to do. Like, let's just go to Waterburger. Like, yeah, you know, it's ain't going to happen. Good. You know, well, you're more than welcome to come to any classes we teach for TT oh, I appreciate Pro-A, it. So yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, you can come on out. Actually, and- I just signed up for Mike Pannone's, uh, Covert carry instructor class in Houston. Oh, in Houston. Oh, okay. good for you, man. Yeah. Good for you. Well, you could have stayed because he's here next week. I got one extra spot. It's, man. it's baby mama week. <laughs> Ron, what about you, man? You're talking about influence? Yeah. Oh, you can't say yourself. Okay. Derek, you. Derek. Okay. Yep. I'll okay. take that. There it is. Do I need any more? No, you don't. Did you go for Derek for tanning tips? Is that what it was? Well, that, oh man, there's, there's a lot of tips. <laughs> tips I would go to Derek for. Tits. Uh, <laughs> got the nice shaved arms. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I trained a lot. of my arms. Uh, or your tits. Or my tits. It started out as a necessity for me or what I viewed as a necessity. And it kind of turned into a hobby. Uh, I met my, my wife uh, training. Uh, she was actually one of my first instructors. So in a parking lot. Uh, that scenario, that's going to be a tough one. <laughs> Who can kick the guy's ass first? <laughs> Who's pushing each other out of the way? To, yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you, my biggest influence I have in this, um, I don't even know his name. My old department is the largest department, not as large as yours, but we, we had a lot of people. So in service would be 50, 60 people in there. And uh, we went for years. My, my only DT defensive tactics training I got was that old school – 90s stuff in the academy never saw it again for 14 years yeah 13 12 years we started on our department having an issue uh officers were given commands bad guys were not responding to those commands so we were just shooting them wow (laughs) uh and they were not the the result or their defense was we weren't being trained anything else so finally after interesting defense several years our department decided, well, we need to we need to train now. Fast forward to this in service where you've got that guy who got suckered into having to go into a room full of sixty cops who didn't want to be there, who you know had a uh, reputation they enjoyed running instructors out. You know, so he's in there trying to teach uh, just some basic crop crop god techniques, just some basic nothing nothing major. Uh, and was meeting a lot of hostility and that would never work. All the doubting Thomases, they, they're not going to try the technique first, but they're going to tell you why it wouldn't work. And so this instructor, I can't even remember his name. Um, was like, all right, fine. You know, control me, just control me. We're not going to, we're not going to do anything stupid. We're not going to go nuts, but just control me. Show me what you would do. And this is how outdated this department's tactics were. He said, all right, get on the wall, spread them. So the instructor's like, okay. And within about, I don't know, two seconds of actually doing his control on the wall, <laughs> this instructor just got out of the way. Like, just did something real simple. And it was eye-opening. Uh, a lot of the Doubting Thomases, they shut their fucking mouth for the next two or three hours. They had nice. nothing. And it was that right then and there that I had been looking for something because my department, it was – a violent city we're not going to name any names but uh you know we didn't have anything yeah. we didn't know where to go you know or we we didn't know what to do and you know right then and there i was like man that guy that guy's my hero because now now i know I, i've got it because what we have been doing is not working yeah 
And so he he is probably the most influential person. I don't even know his name that I have when it comes to training. Well, that's good. That was a while back too. It's, yeah. Let me ask you something, Cliff. <clears throat> for the for the three guys that are listening to the podcast, <laughs> if they if you could tell them one one thing to get into one one combative class one form, what would it be? I wouldn't say it's a form, but uh, pick something close to your house. You know, because when you're just starting out, like out in California, like the jiu-jitsu school I belong to, you know, when I walked upstairs to my bedroom in the morning after working 12 hours overnight, I could literally see the jiu-jitsu school from my upstairs bedroom. Mm. So it's one of those deals like, go train, you lazy piece of shit. You can sleep. (laughs) You'll still get some sleep. You know, so when you're just starting something new, uh, until it becomes a habit. I mean, pick something close. I would love to say go find a place that has Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu, but you know, you can only say one. Okay. Can't, can't, I know. Can't be both, man. We need just one. Okay. Muay Jitsu. Yeah. Muay Jitsu. Yeah. Muay Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> well, find a place, uh, Jiu Jitsu, that also punches people in the face, then. There you go. So a little yeah. bit of MMA with that. Yeah. With that. So yeah, you're, you're getting the best of both worlds, like we talked about. You're getting some striking and some grappling yeah. and kind of understanding. But find a place close to your house. Otherwise, you'll use an excuse not to go. Yeah. Ron, what do you got? Just take your answer. Find a place close, something you're driving past every day Can't you leave work. Him, man. Oh, Come on, man. Well, so drive, you're driving past. How's that? Drive far away. <laughs> if you're driving past <laughs> well, it, I will right? tell you. I will tell <laughs> you, you have this. No choice. This fool drives a long-ass way to I'm, go train. Me too. Uh, like – Every freaking night after work, he's driving. Wow. Yeah, and my thought on that is, I've got to, I've got to train. If if the department is expecting me to teach other individuals, I've got to, I've got to be sharp and current. Yeah. But also, I want to go where the best trains. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then, and uh, if I got to make the sacrifice to drive, and and instead of driving a nice truck, get a car that makes better gas mileage, I'm going to do that. Oh, the department doesn't reimburse you or anything like that? Oh, amazingly. <laughs> you know, just being on my department is an honor enough. Just hanging out with Derek. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but on, honestly, for me, um, naturally, I'd, I'd pick Croft. And the reason why, I, if I had to pick one, 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 I don't know, it's not even a martial art, but one, one t- type of uh, discipline, I'd say Krav because Krav is it's like the gateway drug. You get exposed to a little bit of different systems. And then you start liking a certain, you know, ground. You get introduced a little bit into jujitsu, so that makes you want to go that train way. a little bit more there. Or you do a little stand-up boxing, mm-hmm. Thai. All right, now you kind of get a little more interested in that. So I, I would, I would say that if you only made me say one, one. only made me say one, it would be, it would be the the gateway discipline. Gateway. So I'm very interested that none of y'all said Rex Kwando. What the hell? Why didn't y'all say that, man? Because I can't afford those pants. Yeah, I can't afford all the belt testing. Every week. Yeah. Rex Kwando. So let me ask you this, Cliff. If you were designing a program for your agency, what would you, what would you focus on? What would you bring in? What would you not use? God, for me, it's just basically uh, once you put hands on, keep your hands on them. You know, it's like, it makes no sense. Like there's a, there's only two groups of individuals that train moving in straight lines backwards. That's cops and amateur fighters. So, you know, once you close that distance, just, just keep it. Um, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing trying to get people comfortable with is being, uh, that entanglement and which we'll be doing Friday all day. So, yeah. 
All right. So a lot of wrestling, a lot of jujitsu on that. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the like Greco-Roman style upper body clinch type work, but it's also know how to strike from that clinch. But it's also know how to set up uh, transitioning uh, what I refer to as earning the draw, earning the shot if need be. Um, because a bad guy really determines if it's going to go lethal or not. So, I mean, it could be, if you understand arm ties and back takes, it could be a takedown or it's a great spot to transition to a high level of force. Ron, what about you? I mean, you kind of did this. So like you designed a program. Yeah. I, uh, I would go more instead of particular techniques, more principle and concepts based, uh, telling you how, what you need to get an arm bar. To me, uh, you'll learn and keep that knowledge more than you would learn the five-step armbar. Mm-hmm. You know, I must do A to do B to do C, just the principles. Mm-hmm. All you need is, you know, down and dirty uh, ideas to perform these techniques and learn how to recognize when you need to use them. Learn learn what this individual is doing to you so you need and what you need to do to counter, counter that. So I am very a big fan of principle-based. Uh, conceptual and I like to steal things. I'm a cop that likes to steal. So I'll yeah. take a little bit yep. from every, every system that works for my department and, and falls within our policies. Yeah. So do you ever talk about say you're an officer and you get in, 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 in a fight with somebody that actually knows what they're doing and they're like, Oh shit, this is not, this is not good. Do you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, we, the instructors and I, we, we constantly, you know, Reinforce. Don't box a boxer. Don't grapple a grappler. If you if you're in involved in a, a, a fight, this isn't a competition. We don't know rules. We don't play by. They don't play by rules. Right. They're you know get in a position that to better your you know, yourself and then break contact because what you're doing right then and there is not working and they're winning. So you got to find another plan um, to 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 implement. And you know that might be go to some type of less less lethal device you have on your belt. But be able to recognize when you are uh, for outmatch. Yeah, it's, it's not competition. No, what we can't afford to lose. No, we can't. <laughs> no he, Ron's spot on. It's like like I tell people, it's like like everything. Like the biggest takeaway from like the like what I'm doing the next couple of days that I've been doing it is just like everything flows together. It's not if they do this, you do this, but everything flows. So basically, like what I try to give people is, is concepts like Ron was saying, but it's like, understand what the bad guy is presenting to you, what the bad guy or attacker is giving you and then take advantage of it. But don't have like, Oh, well I'll do this. If he does that, no, it just takes, take whatever he gives you and, and you know, take advantage of it. Yeah. You know, make it a tactical advantage to your favor. Always be looking to improve your position. You know, you know, the big thing too is don't, don't, Focus on winning, just don't lose. You know, if you can get into a dominant position and just control them and not lose, you usually back up isn't too far away. So, like, get to a dominant position to where you can at least get to your radio and just kind of control that person until you get more officers on scene to kind of polyester pig pile. Yep, take take away their mobility. Yeah, take away their mobility, get into a dominant position, and, and don't lose. Yeah. So, what other classes do you teach? Uh, vehicles, I do the, uh, entangled gunfighting, which we're going to do. Uh, and then I do also rifle combatives. So everything, uh, but I teach, uh, jujitsu, catch wrestling, uh, Muay Thai. Okay. I saw on your Instagram, you have two Connex boxes. You've moved them. Oh yeah. That's fun. Yeah. A little close quarter. 
Yeah, so the average American home hallway is about 45 inches from all the houses I've been in. Uh, that's about the same width of parking spots between two cars. So when I had my Connexes set up, I dropped them about a couple inches shorter. Or I think they're right at 43. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I threw some uh, horse stall mats down in there with some playground rubber. So it's like um, everything we do um, up through the day, then we will finish the day by like, okay, everything worked great in the, in the big open front yard. And now we're going to go between the connexes. And my wife just got, gave me permission. I'm actually going to uh, flatten my entire front yard there in Kerrville. I'm going to get a couple of truckloads of playground rubber. So my whole front yard is going to be turned into a fight pit here pretty soon. Oh, wow. Uh, HOA is going to love that. <laughs> See, I don't have an HOA. That's why I got out of California. That's good. That's I live good. in a county. I can do whatever I want. So good by talking you. with you already, I don't think you're one of those guys at California to Texas. I think you're, you know, I think well, you're right I, on step with the way we think. I, like well, that. I mean, I was born and pretty much raised here. So, Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah. Is that what, so what, uh, that's what brought yeah. you back. Yeah. It's the okay. Marine Corps. It took me away. So All right, I got to ask rifle combatives. Yeah. What is that? Well, it's it's just like handgun, but it's like um, how to put hands on people when you when you have a long gun. Okay, so I've been tasked with coming up uh, with that program, and Ron's kind of helping me um, run that because of the combative background that he has. Uh, when are you coming here and teaching that? Because I would love to go through that. We'll set it up. Let's set it up. Let's do it. So yeah, it's like it's based on uh, no time to shoot, no room to shoot, or no shoot. Yeah, I like that. So, so basically dealing with people like in that uh, hallway environment, that yeah. type, you know, uh, room combat distances, um, weapon retention, stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. There's actually some good videos of it on my uh, Instagram. Now, do, oh, so I don't have social media. I got to get social media. I hate on, it. Man. I wouldn't uh, have uh, it if it wasn't for business. Oh, well, I know. It's a, it's a marketing thing for you guys. Um, I still got your MySpace account. Though, right? MySpace? Yeah. yeah. MySpace. You and Tom? I have one friend, Tom. Yeah. Hey, I have some, uh, some good cases off of MySpace back in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> they're they're good right now. So, is it it the uh, the rifle combatives? Is it is it more off the spear technique? No, no, no. I won't. Uh, I God, I, I talk. I was the lead law enforcement guy. You're going to get me sued by Blower, but uh, <laughs> he's so sue happy. But uh, no, it's not. <laughs> I can edit whatever I want to edit. Yeah, so no, uh, God, I was Blower's lead law enforcement instructor for. Oh really? Yeah, from like 2008 to about. 2014 yeah like he doesn't have those programs anymore because i left there you go okay all he's doing now is outside 90 we'll let that we'll let that we'll let that just we'll just yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll change the subject real quick yeah. <laughs> well because you know because i was wondering because like i mean i not that i'm not that I went through a spear class or anything like that. Um, I've been exposed to it a little bit, and I've also been exposed to, to some other things when it comes to the rifle combatives and, and the shoot-no-shoot shoot with a mm -hmm. pistol as well. And it just seems like in those close-quarter environment um, situations that you're talking about inside that 45 inches of the hallway or, or your Connex boxes or uh, inside of a small room combat for SWAT guys, um, it, it just seems like that's, to me, logically, that's some of the easiest stuff to control and do with that long gun in your hand. It's framing. It's all it is. It's yeah. framing, which I started doing when I was six. And from re yeah, wrestling. See, now I have a, a, a wrestling background yeah. as well, so I, I I think it comes a little bit easier for yep. for 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 guys that are grapplers or you know mm -hmm. a little bit more comfortable going hands on. But um, I just want to 
kind of validate some of the stuff and look at what you're doing versus what we're doing and, 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 you know, see if it's, if it's the same, same, or if we need to continue to or change something. Yeah. We'll definitely get you in for that because that's a, that's a, that's a hot topic right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those deals. Once again, it's one of another subjects that everybody carries a patrol rifle in their car, but you know, how do you put hands on people? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's funny that you said patrol rifle because the, the funny thing is when we developed this program, um, like I said, Ron helped me develop it. But when we developed it, it was strictly told uh, to me by admin that this is only for SWAT personnel only. And this will never be taught to uh, a patrol-based um, operator. That's crazy. Yeah, I, yeah, that's, I, yeah. And that's the stuff that we deal with with administrators and, and stuff like that. You know, they they think they have an understanding of what we're talking about, but they really don't. And they ask your opinion on things and you give them your, your opinion or, um, you, you, you try to inform them, but their minds are already made up before they even ask you the question or, or, or before you answer it. And I don't, no matter what you say, I don't think they'll ever. Well, I mean, you do a felony, felony car stop, at least one patrol rifle is going to come out. Yeah. You hope, you know, well, yes. you, yeah, you'd hope. And, yeah. and then what, you know, if, if, you know, is he going to be the one to put hands on people? I yeah. don't recommend it, but no, not at all. But and neither you know, do we. And it, and neither know. do we. Well, that and you get a, a BP. Well, before SWAT gets there, there's a perimeter, and those are perimeter weapons. And what happens when the guy comes out? I mean, well, that's yeah. never been an issue. So why do we need to ha- come up with a solution? Yeah, right. is what they're looking. What they're yeah. looking at. It all all has ended yeah. well. So there's no problem. Man, we've been lucky. We've been lucky yeah. up until this point. And so you mean uh, luck's not a good tactic. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, man. Well, they say hope is in the course of action. Yeah, yeah. And and I'll be honest with you, in law enforcement, a lot of agencies, and including mine, dude, we've gotten lucky on tons of shit. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Lucky, but that's how you learn. Yeah. I mean, I've got it. Is if you have the right mindset and you actually (laughs) learn from your fucking mistakes and you try to uh, better yourself. Yeah. But just going, oh man, we're good. I mean, we like we do this really well. No, we really don't do it well. Here's your trophy. We We just been yeah, yeah, absolutely. Shit. And then admins writing them accommodation for using discretion for getting their ass kicked. So now they think they did. Yeah. They did it right. Yeah. So why why should I go listen to somebody training me? Yeah. Because I was told by the the people I deal with that's actually on the streets day to day, either supervising me or answering the calls with me. Yeah. I did good. Here's my trophy. Yeah. Why should I listen to this old crusty son of a gun? That's you, not me. I'm in my prime at the academy yeah. telling me, yeah, let's talk about how we could do this better. What do we know? We're, we're so far removed. Right. So when there's a use of force incident, do they not ask for your opinion? Hey, had this guy do, did he do well? Did he not do well? Uh, not necessarily like that. Uh, there are, uh, Usually, it like, usually hey, man, it's kind of like in trouble. What do you think? Usually we get a, the, the snippet mm. of that incident, right? Just like you would see on the news, not what happened before, what led up to it, not what happened afterwards. It's just that 10, 10 second snippet. Right. And then the question is, do you train this? Yeah. And my answer is always, yeah. And no, I, I, I don't know. What are you showing me? Right. And, and that's usually how, how that starts. So it, it's never brought to us from, a broader, yeah. Let's you know. Let's look at this and and learn from it and and, and use this. Uh, it's brought from a more of a an accusatory, yeah. if you will. Yeah, that's uh, so their, bad. Their biggest concern is is it within policy, mm-hmm. and is that something that we are training at the academy? Yeah, and, like, and, and that's 
Those are legitimate questions. I get that. But let's go back to just every type of scenario that we're using use of force. Have guys critique it that know what they're doing so they can tell that officer, hey, man, that was a really good job. You did this. Or, hey, I saw this. If you would have done this, this would have prevented this to give guys feedback as a debrief. Coming from the SWAT world, yes, right. That's how we do things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same thing. The military, yeah. right? You did this operation. This is what we did really well. This is what we really fucking sucked at. Yep. Let's get better at this. Let's learn from what we sucked at. Let's not let this happen again. It's a little bit different. I, I think sometimes, and we kind of talked about this on the, on, on the on the car ride here. I, I, I think admin, they don't want to point out the flaws of officers. Right. They don't want to say, Brandon, you did a horrible job there. Right. Like we need to learn from that. I, they don't do that. No, they don't. And, and, and they try to praise everything. Right. And one of their things that I heard a boss say is we praise in public and we, um, ridicule. Yeah. Correct. Cor- uh, correct in private Private-ish, or something like yeah. that. And honestly, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, I'm like, that's not right because the other dudes on that shift in that roll call, they could learn from yes. some of the corrections being made to the other officer that made, you know, the mistakes or whatever it is. Use of force, man, they'll, they'll do their correcting in private. But yep. if you, if you fuck up a report or writing a ticket wrong or something like that, they'll blast you in, in, in briefing or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but they won't kind of correct the use of force stuff that will keep us out of trouble or give you a better understanding of how to handle a certain situation. Yeah. It's also about the delivery. We do have some, admin, usually the first line, front line supervisors that do, Hey, look, can you watch this video? This is what happened. This is what I noticed. This is what I talked to the officer about. Um, what's your input? Yeah. Do you have anything else to, to add? Did I do right? But that that's few and far between. That's not the norm yeah. with us, but we have, uh, an accusatory. It's like, instead of saying, all right, let's watch this video of what the, what happened. It's man, look how this officer fucked up. Yep. Boy, they yep. fucked up. Do you yep. officer so and so? Oh my gosh! And you know how we are, but we talk. We'll eat our own. We, t- we talk a lot of shit, yeah. and then the next thing you know, you know somebody across town on the opposite shift heard. Well, so and so fucked this up. Yeah. You know, it's not. It, it's always accusatory. We're yeah. always coming down hard on people. Yeah, and you know, it's just bad, bad, a bad way to learn. Oh, it. It is. It is. And he gets that a lot more than I do because of the DT background. You know, uh, I rarely do I get a ask the, I'm sorry. What we call Non-firearm. That? Non-firearm. Force situations. Force situations. Yeah. Wrestling. Yeah. Wrestling. So, <laughs> so he gets that all, you know, he, he gets that a lot more than me because of, you know, I'm the firearms guy, yeah. you know, but, you know, rarely do we shoot people and they go, Oh, is this right or wrong? Or yeah. do we teach this stuff? But I mean, I couldn't do the wrestling job that he does because, you know, he'll have random bosses call him and go, Hey, what, what do you think about this? Is this right or wrong? Or yeah, yeah I just, yeah. I because know. most of the training is set up for uh, liability, not officer safety. Yeah. So it's easier yeah. to throw you under the bus 100%. Than to support you. 100%. Yeah. You know, cause they know that that potential lawsuits coming. So it's they want to be able to say, yeah, we didn't teach them that. Because at the end of the day, if someone wants to fight you, it's a fight. Yeah. Like, but here's the deal: in a the fight, there's just a fight. But in a fight, and we've all been in fights. Everybody at this table has been in a fight. Because I know three, three out of the four guys, and you seem like you've been in a fight. You do things just from reaction, mm-hmm. and you may never be taught 
this one thing that you do, but people still do that just out of reaction in a fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And even though we haven't taught guys that that's one thing I think our department does a really good job on. It may not be the norm use of force. It may not be something that we teach, but just out of reaction, if somebody is getting hit and they just punch the guy in the face, yeah, yep. it's just like, okay, well, yeah, we don't teach that, but exactly, it's it's acceptable in this situation. You're in a fight. But here's something else to think about. The more training you give people, the less they'll react and the more they'll respond. Look at that truth bomb just throw out there. That's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. I give you that 100%. But unfortunately, <laughs> we don't have enough time in the day to do everything that exactly. they want us to do. Yeah. I so mean, of course. so what's helped us out with the whole principles, concepts, instead of particular techniques is when admin comes to us, do you teach this? Is this an appropriate technique? Do you teach this technique? No, but it falls within the concepts that we do teach. Now, when we first started implementing this, that was an uphill battle. What the heck is that? What What do you mean? But we've we've come we've made some headway with with explaining setting down with our admin saying look you know conceptual we, we can't i can't teach one technique to get them out of every no. situation but i can give them the tools and the the concepts and they fall within our policy and we we're slowly we've gotten a few few gold badges on board with that understanding understanding that you know the officers recognizing the threat and they're doing something within the guidelines to, to, uh, you know, terminate that threat or get somebody in control because there's no Supreme court doesn't have a case that goes, Hey, you can't punch him in the face. You can't punch him here. It's like you grab me and you get me in a headlock. Well, guess what? There's your nuts. So, Hey, you're got me in a headlock. I'm, I'm doing stuff to your balls, man. Sorry. That's just what, that's what's going to happen. The Supreme you know, Court doesn't have a case like that. Yeah. But they have this wonderful case that gives you like these yeah. perimeter yeah. parameters, <laughs> and and if you fall within that, yes, concepts, right? Yep. Exactly. Same thing. If you fall within that, you're good. Mm-hmm. Now I know social media. We're trying to rewrite what the Supreme Court says, but oh, right now we day. still have that to go under. And and luckily for us, that is the basis of our use of force policy is what the gram factors are. Yes. And if they fall within that, you're good. We have one of the best use of force policies I've ever seen. It's also one of the thinnest one. Yeah. And if you fall, if you did what you did and it falls under gram within gram, you're good. Yeah. Cause I wouldn't go, Hey sir, uh, I just walked up to the guy and punched him in the nuts. Yes. I get that. That is way excessive, but now I'm in a headlock and he is hurting me and I had to do this or he did this. And I, I had my radio and I hit him in the face because He's grabbing my gun. Because I mean, anybody else would do that in that yes. situation. And, and I'm like, is it reasonable? Yeah. In yeah. that situation, is it reasonable? Would a 90 officers have 100 react uh-huh. about the same way? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what reasonable is? Yeah. That's what I think. What but, do you see as a problem with law enforcement DT programs? I hate to use that term, but that's all I know it as. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is, is, it's just not something that's mandated. You know, I've been around uh, and talked to guys. Well, they haven't had any training in seven, eight years, but they're still going out every day putting the field on. Yeah. You know, it's just like, uh, it, and I might be messing this up, but I know in LA, at once upon a time, you had to do sixteen hours every two years, and people who's never of just defensive tactics. Yeah, it's two days of hands-on stuff, but then you have people who's you've never seen make arrests. All of a sudden, when it's their time to go, they have a course subpoena. Yeah. Like, 
how is that even possible? You don't leave the station. You don't do shit. You don't do shit. Exactly. You know, so it, it's one of those deals where, you know, I have a contract down, down south and it's like, you know, it's training the entire 50 man patrol staff. So I get like 10 guys each month and the last month is coming up. And in, in this last group that's coming up in a few weeks is all the guys who's been trying their best to get out of it since December. Yep. The last class is always yeah. that. It's the same thing for us. Well, yeah. ours is the makeup class. The make, yeah, because we always have makeup classes. Yeah. And uh, that's the problem. It's just not, it's not something that's mandated. You would know? you, would you be for a, a national program or do you think individual cities or regions or what you know, you're dealing with your me, area of operation? Yeah. To me, it has to be designed around your, your, your AO. You know, it's like, you know, there's places even here in Texas where your backup is 45 minutes away. Yeah. So you have to have more uh, leniency to yeah. escalate into a higher level force than somebody who potentially works in Dallas where your backup is this on the next street over. You know, so I don't I don't see a national anything working. I think it has to be suited for your AO. You know, the only thing I can see nationally is is get rid of the food blisters, man. You got to have some kind of like standard fitness food you know. blisters. Yeah. Like, that's funny. <laughs> I've never yeah. heard that term God, before. Man. Why is everyone looking at me? Fuck y'all. <laughs> It's like polyester wrap bouncy houses and shit. <laughs> well, I've never seen you in uniform, so I can't say that's that. That's true. Uh, yeah. Ron, what about you, man? What do you see as uh, as the as the biggest problem since you do this daily? I think that I'll give you that's a two two answer question two part. First is getting the officer motivated and uh, willing to get out there and, and get themselves out of that comfort zone, get off the couch and, and get them to realize that, Hey, this is a necessity. You, you say it all the time. It's not, it's not that hard to get somebody to, to come get on the range because, Hey, that's fun. Shooting is fun, but no one wants to get on the mat. So I think trying to change that mindset, uh, I think that would open up a lot, a lot of uh, people's minds. If I can, if that makes sense. Uh, secondly, uh, getting doing something I don't I don't know I'm not the PR guy you know this but getting society's mind kind of away from when they see us do something we're in the wrong but next week a uh, shithead can do the same thing to yeah. us and all of a sudden they're in the right yeah and I think you know that would help the officer's mindset knowing that they're not going to already be, be prejudged in social media they might be a little more apt to do something that in their mind they know they need to do, but they're hesitant to do. Yeah. Well, I think if you watch a UFC fight, I mean, how many rules does the UFC have? A ton of rules, but it's violent. And there's some people that just can't watch that. So guess what? When you see an officer get in a fucking fight on the street, it's going to be violent, but there's no damn rules for the bad guy, but we have rules. So, but fucking people forget that, you know, and, and yeah, violence, violence is violent looking. So, Sorry, but that's just, there's no way to get around it. Well, what makes it worse too is people that don't train get in a violent situation 
And then they're using shit that don't work. So that ineffective force to the untrained person looks like an excessive force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people yeah. that don't train, and this goes back to firearms and, and the defensive stuff, the um, people that don't train, they have a tendency to overreact yep. super quick, right? Or they underreact to where they just vapor lock and they just freeze. So it's, it's, they're not going to win either way if they don't train. And, and that's the biggest, I mean, that's the biggest problem. How do you deal with people in your classes um, that like brother-in-law each other, just let that person work that technique and, oh yeah, it works. Good job. Okay. Let's fucking move on to the next one. Oh, for me, it's like, you know, it's just like I run a jujitsu class. I'll, I'll set a timer and then I, I just keep people s- switch partner, grab a new partner, grab a new partner. So they don't get to stand around and bullshit, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, do six reps. All right. Grab a new partner, do six reps before they know it, they've been doing the same thing for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. You can't, you can't let them stand around. That's the biggest thing that that's the big problem that I see is like, you know, in law enforcement training, it's the first questions of the day. Yep. Hey, what time's lunch? Yep. <laughs> and second, what time will we get out of here? Yeah. Can I leave, show up late, leave early? Yeah. Can I get out of here? And then for, for these guys, for you guys that do uh, the defensive tactics, holy shit, man. Those guys, they don't want to be on that mat. They don't want to be fucking touching each other. They want to be wrestling. And then when you do start working stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, great job, Ron. Oh, yeah, that worked. Awesome. Good. Okay, awesome. Let's move on to the next one. Those guys just, I mean, like, their 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 minds aren't in it. And they, I just, I, I walk in that room and I see that and I'm just like, man, I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad for you. Well, thank you. Well, you want to come help me out sometime? No. no. Yeah, you, too. you really just got to have them keep moving, keep switching partners. I mean, I mean, you're, you're going to have those guys, but it's just, I don't know. There's, there's really, I think that the thing too is like, if you can show them some concepts that gets immediate buy-in, like, holy shit, this is actually going to work. It's not twisty, locky magic, death touch bullshit. Then, you know, like, man, cause I've had so many guys like, man, I wish somebody would have showed me this 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, but it, they think when they hear DT, they're like, oh my God, it is going to be this magic that touch twisty locky bullshit again. But if you show them. Stop sh- teaching that shit, right? Well, you know, if you. Sh- <laughs> it's so cool to, when you pull it off that one time in a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, if you show them stuff that they can, you know, as soon as they walk on the parking lot, they can pull it off. You get a little bit more buy-in. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that goes back into uh, an issue I'm facing is when I took over the program. Uh, I keep hearing stories of a, pre, a, a previous instructor, one of the other instructors, that uh, thought it was fun to go out there and demo the techniques on the officers pretty excessively, going out there just showing off. Yeah. And, you know, everyone, when I got ready to review this technique, everyone, you know, was hesitant. No one wanted to do it. Everyone had a bitch about the last time. Well, he hurt with doing this or he did this or don't do that. So, you know, as an instructor, you know, I got to put my ego aside and make sure that I, I am there to train them. Yeah. And I think that, you know, sometimes we don't do that. It, it's cool. I can pull off the ninja, the ninja thing. So let me show you how awesome I am when really I just need to show something simple and straight to the point. So you don't teach like Cobra Kai strike first. Well, I mean, that's, they, they can YouTube that. So, okay. you know, that's yeah. simple and to the point, but no, I, I, we try to stay, stay fresh and, uh, you know, simple. Can somebody who can, can a female, do this just as well as a male under stress and it'd be effective height, 
age, weight, can they, you know, I, I can't teach everybody, yeah. you know, I only have a few, few minutes, but I can give you concepts that would work for everybody. For that. So is your position, are you full-time doing that? I am. You are? Okay, that's good. That's good. Well. You boys got anything else? No. Cliff, anything you want to promote, man? Anything coming up? Anything that you have working? Uh, me, well, besides the next couple of days up here, but May 15th, I'm doing the uh, Everyday Carry and Tangle Gunfighting class uh, at my place in Kerrville. And then uh, June 26th, I'm doing another vehicle extraction combatives class down in Kerrville. So if we want to train with you, how would we go about doing that? Uh, you go to Hill Country Cabados, uh webpage. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, probably the best way to contact me. But my uh, cell number is on the website. You can text me, email me, whatever. You probably shouldn't have done that. No. <laughs> so I would tell you this. So in my position, I get to, I get to meet and talk with a lot of guys in the, in the industry. Um, and a lot of networking goes on with, Hey, this instructor knows this guy and stuff like that. And so, uh, Scott Jelinski was telling me He's about awesome. you. Yeah. Really good dude. And, uh, so we were talking one night, he was at my house and he was over here, uh, up for training. And so he told me about you. So I reached out and man, you've been just so accommodating, such a, just a cool dude. Uh, cause they were asking me, well, what's he like? I'm like, man, I've never met the guy, but every time I talk with him on the phone, he's just super accommodating, just a really good guy. And, and man, it was a pleasure getting to, to finally meet you and stuff. And Likewise. I apologize because I didn't get to see you at the conference cause I'm just doing this stuff. But, um, I look forward to, I, I think we're going to build a partnership with you nice, and TTPOA. Yeah. I, I, I really like that. Uh, I like your mindset. I like the way you present, uh, and, and just, you are who you are. You're not yep. trying to throw it out on the table and go, "Hey, man, this is bigger than all y'all's." And and and, and I like that, man. I like yeah. your humbleness. And yeah, I don't. I don't know. Every I I stole something from everybody. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> and I think that's what good instructors do. And I love that yeah. you're still a student of the game. Oh yeah, uh, and, and going to different classes. So yeah, man, it's been a pleasure uh, getting to hang out with you and and Big Daddy Ron over here, dude. First time I met you, I'm in love with you now. So stop it. You're yeah. going to make me blush. <laughs> we have this whole studio to ourselves after this. This is crazy. Yeah. Couches everywhere. <laughs> yeah. This is getting a little weird. A lot of couches. <laughs> you, got, you got the glow lights. Yeah. yeah. We got glow sticks. Man. Oh, shit. Yeah, the yeah. TTPOA studio is on point tonight. <laughs> yes, it is. Now, I'll tell you what, I want to get you in for that uh, rifles combative class. Let's do it, man. Uh, I'm really interested in that because, um, like I said, I, I need to re- retool, refine, validate what we're doing. I want to make sure that we're we're, we're giving the best product that we Let's can to it. our guys. Yeah, we'll so, get, I'll get with you about that because I also want to bring you back for another combatives class uh, it, with the vehicle stuff because that filled up and I was over there like I normally do. Hey man, can we add a few more spots? Can we do this? Can we do that? So yeah, I'm uh, good, man. don't no. let them push you around. Man. Yeah, I just yeah. want guys to train. Yeah, just and get that, your ass to training. Yeah. We'll and figure it, we'll figure everything else out. Yeah. I tell I, people like if you can't pay for a class. I like brown water and cigars. <laughs> I like brown water and cigars as well. All right. What's some uh, final words, man? Hey, man, just get your ass to the gym and train. You know, pay attention. I mean, you can only control a few things. Nutrition, what you bring to the game. There's a couple of the big ones. So, yeah. Especially as you get older. Good deal. Ronald? Train and stay safe. You can't copy everything he said. Well, I mean, he, he, he needs to get out of my head. And, you know, that'll be fine. But I'm already thinking this. Okay. All right. Yin and yang there. Yeah. Brandon, you got anything? I feel like we need all fight now or something, man. This is like just all a bunch of like. All right. I'll let you guys fight and then I may take (laughs) on the winner. No, uh, we didn't mention it at the very first. We'll have to go back and do that. But 5'11 is now 
uh, one of the sponsors for uh, this podcast. So y'all will receive some type of gift from Five Eleven. Um, what, so what do we get? For, do we get anything? I don't know, man. You That's get quality bullshit. time with me. Yeah. You get the yoga uh, pants. Yeah, I like the yoga pants. Yeah, yeah. I could see you in those. Those are, those are nice. That's real nice. Maybe that's, I get a, some, that's a good mental picture I got maybe going Maybe get some on. new chonies I can go wrestle in my backyard. With some I have yoga pants. Backyard so. wrestling yeah. with Brandon. With my 5'11 panties on or something. Oh, man. This is, this is, this is, yeah. this is weird. We haven't been drinking. 5'11 oh, yeah. yoga pants and like professional wrestling boots. Oh, yeah, brother. Macho man Randy. Why did you get him started yeah, with that brother. shit? Oh, my God. Yeah, now he's never going to shut up. Good Lord. All right, guys. Well, hey, we're going to get out of here. Um, stay safe. Yep. Train, Train hard. hard. Oh. Yeah.